corporately because we know he wants his house to be a house of prayer. And I specifically ask that we would um, invite Jackie to come and speak because in our preparations for Connect, uh, we did a lot of praying together. And I noticed that when Jackie prayed, the whole atmosphere changed. Things shifted, that there was an authority. And so if you want to learn something, you find someone who's got something you want, and you get around them. (laughs) And so that's why we've asked Jackie. So just extend your hands towards Jackie. We welcome you, Jackie. We receive you. We receive what? God has done in your life and we open our hearts we open our hearts our minds and our spirits this morning to receive what Father wants to give us through you Amen Well thank you very much thank you for the privilege of of being amongst you and even greater following a 36 hour prayer event awesome Awesome. And last night, I just, when I uh, came and shared at the last celebration as well, the atmosphere was incredible, clear. God's got great things in store for us. And um, I believe that we are in the most exciting times ever. It's going to be tough because we see the darkness coming over and it will get thicker and thicker but the wonderful thing of course is his glory gets brighter and brighter and I think you know for me the challenge is are we ready for it do you really want it you know it's wonderful to hear what's been happening in India but do you really want it here do we really want to release it in our workplace and so forth and as I was thinking about preparing this morning for this morning, I felt that God's saying that he wants intimate warriors. That almost sounds like a paradox, isn't it? But, um, and he wants intimate warriors. And I just want to look at three areas this morning. One about drawing near. Second, preparation. And the third is rise up. I love walking the harbour, and at the moment, um, some of you do know my story, some of you don't, but um, God has called me basically out of ministry um, for a place of enforced rest, which I can't say I'm enjoying a lot, but um, that's where he wants me. But I've been privileged that he gave me a flat um, right on Beta. So for me to walk into the harbour is a wonderful experience. I love it down there. But one day I was walking along and... um, Something caught my attention and I was watching a, a raven. And if you've walked down there, you, you would have seen them doing this. I was watching this, well, let's put it this way. I watched a seagull first. And he sort of caught my attention because he flew right in front of me. Um, and then he turned around and came back again. So I knew God was saying something. He went up in the air and dropped a mussel. And you've seen him do that and split it open and uh, ate the goodness out of it. Then I noticed a raven doing the same thing. But this raven, I have never seen a bird do this. It went straight up vertical and it's flapping its wings so hard, but it went just straight up vertical. It dropped its muscle on the sand 
And because it bounced. And I could see he was in infuri- It looked like I sensed an infuriation in him. So he went down again and he went straight up vertical again and dropped it down again. And the third time he did it, a seagull came and nicked it. So he lost it altogether. And I sometimes wonder when we pray or when we come into um, relationship with, with God, that's what it's like. We're going up in a vertical. We're flapping our wings so hard and yet nothing happens. And we seem to get tired. We know it should happen, but we get tired. And I believe that God sometimes speaks to us through what we see around us because creation shouts the glory of God. Just look at the person next to you. Yeah, God created the person next to you. No rude comments, please. (laughs) But I believe he loves to draw us near to get our attention, but often we miss it because we don't think he would speak to me. How does God speak to you? Now, for some of you, that will be a verbal verbal voice, um, pictures, and all sorts of things like that. But I also believe that God speaks to us through creation. But we dismiss it. And um, why do I believe that? I want us just to look at Deuteronomy 33 and verse 16. Because there's just an odd line I want us to look at this morning. When Moses blesses the tribe of Joseph, he uses a most beautiful Phrase And in the NIV, it says, um, Moses says to Joseph, may the tribe be blessed with the gifts of the earth and its fullness. But here it is. And the favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. The favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. Now, to me, that's a wonderful phrase. Absolutely pregnant phrase, if you like. I don't know if you've ever wondered why God revealed himself to Moses in a bush. I mean, it's ridiculous when you think about it. He could have just turned up and said, here I am, Moses, you know, straight down, glory. Or it could have been in a rock crevice or something, but it was a bush. Why earth a bush? Well, I believe because, one, of course, it caught Moses, got his curiosity up. But I also believe there's a deeper sense. Now, there can be many reasons why he might have done. But I believe the secret of why is this, the favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. Because when Moses wrote his story down, he would have used, and he would have known this anyway in his mind, they used, they used pictures. And we know that Hebrew language is pictures but they used, he used ancient pictures, and he would have written down three pictures. One is a prop to hold up. So when he looked at the bush, and when he thought way into way about thinking about it, I think he would have thought God supports and upholds those who completely trust, on him, trust in him. So God was saying, I'm in a bush, not just for you to come over and have a look. I'm in a bush because I want to tell you something. The second picture would have been 
um, hands lifted up, which we say, hey, and uh, which means behold. God is saying, behold me. And uh, some of you will know, and I thought about Phil last night talking about fives, because hey is the number five. So every time you say hey, you're saying behold, hey. And I believe that. So when you say hey, that is saying, God, I behold you. If it comes from your heart, hey. And then the third picture he would have drawn, as he wrote down this, would have been a fish darting through water which symbolizes action, life, and so on. There's lots, lots more I could say about that. But what I'm saying is that God so loved Moses, God so wanted to come down where Moses was, and not only for the calling that he had for him, but because he wanted to say, I am your God. I am your God. I am the favor. I am your favor. The favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. And Moses, I believe, understood God's acceptance and pleasure. Because we know, don't we, that Moses screwed up. He messed up. He thought he'd lost his chance. And I believe that even in the 40 years that he had to wait, God's never in a hurry. Why? Because he's always interested in our character rather than what we do. I'm finding that very hard at the moment because I'm a doer. And to have to wait is like, come on, God. You know? And then God says, Moses. And I think, no, 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 not 40 years, please, Lord. That would be too long. And then, um, you know, so don't ever think that God has stopped working because he's not he's more interested in your character and your relationship with him because when you have that relationship with him you can change the world absolutely change the world and Moses understood God's acceptance and pleasure and the question I want to ask this morning is God trying to get your attention is he trying to get your attention it may be through creation Because he shouts his name and his glory through his creation. Let me just give a a simple illustration that happened to me this week, actually. Um, Unfortunately, where the flats I'm in, the neighbor across the way died this week. And um, it was a, a, she just passed away and I... I didn't act on what I felt at the time. So there was a time delay. And I had to call the police and the ambulance. It was quite upsetting, really. But I hadn't quite done it when I think I should have done. And you know what the enemy's like? He has a real go at you and says, well, you know, you should have done it early. And if you had, she may be, and all this stuff. And I was getting in a bit of a tiz was. And I was standing at my kitchen window, and I looked out, and a robin and I see them quite a lot, actually, because God always speaks through Robins for me, came and sat on my fence opposite. Now you say, oh, yeah, Robin's sitting on the fence. They always do that. But if I tell you this Robin sat there for five minutes with his eyes straight at me, looking all the time. And in, in, I'm a little bit sceptical sometimes with God, so I walked away, and I stuck my head around. He's still there. So I come back and so forth. He stayed there five minutes And then I said, Lord, are you trying to tell me something? And then he says, yes, in a very gentle whisper. He just reassured me that the lady had died instantly. And 
I wouldn't have been able to do anything even I had acted a few hours earlier. Now, for me, that's the tender heart of God. But if I just dismissed that Robin and said, oh, that's nice. But I knew I've learned to say, God, are you trying to say something to me? And I believe, you see, God puts little miracles across your path. And he's saying, I'm here. But we just dismiss them. We don't stop to think. And I've learned that very powerful lesson that maybe he's wanting to say something. I think when we say, oh, um, you know, I want to hear God speak, we're waiting for the spectacular. Or we're waiting for the audible voice or something. But often it's in the small things that we miss. You know, he comes in the small things and he's actually saying, I want to get your attention. I want to get your attention. He used to do that when I was in my other house. If I had a down morning, I used to say, oh, God, do you really care? And then all the sparrows would come. And they sit on the bush in front of the window again and sing at me. You know, they weren't just singing up there. They would turn round to make sure they're singing at me. And again, I would say, God, are you trying to say something? And you, of course, you know which text he would say to that. How much more do I care about you? Look out for them. Because I believe it will revolutionize your life. Because you actually see God in the intimate detail of your lives. He's so incredibly... Um, wanting to be a part of us and wanting us to draw near. For Moses, we know that when he drew next to, uh, drew towards the burning bush, God spoke to him. And when the Lord said, Exodus chapter 3, when the Lord said that he'd gone over to look, God called to him within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father. I am. I am. I believe that the Lord wants us to draw near in that intimacy. Because the the world wants to know intimate love of Jesus. I wonder, you may already do that. You may already notice the things God sends along. But if you don't, can I encourage you to look out for them because they're there. And just say, Lord, are you trying to say something? Are you giving your calling card? Are you calling my attention? And I think it will radically, now I don't think, I know, it will radically change your prayer life. It will radically change your walk with him. Because he does it all the time. Creation is shouting at us. You know, if you woke up this morning, I woke up this morning, I could hear the blackbird singing. And I'm thinking, yes, if you can sing praises to God, I can sing praises to God. Because he loves to display, he loves to lavish his favor on you. He loves you, do you know that? Really loves you. He's head over heels in love with you. Just tell your neighbor how much he he loves you. Tell your neighbor he loves you. And tell your neighbor that you're special to him. God is looking, I believe, for intimate warriors. Intimate warriors. 
He just wants that relationship with us. Now, some of you will know that this month is um, in the Hebrew calendar is Adar and Adar and uh, Phil actually mentioned that last night, which I found very interesting. Um, it's a month where we celebrate East, uh, Esther and what happened with Esther is the Feast of Purim. And as I thought about preparation of intimacy this morning, I, th- you know, I felt the Lord just put Esther on my heart because Esther is a beautiful foreshadow of our relationship with the King of Kings. And we know that she had a beauty treatment for 12 months. My goodness. You know, 12 months of purification, basically. And if you're into Hebrew numbers, you will know that number 12 means apostolic government and a divine government. And I believe because of what Esther was calling into, God was actually not only just beautifying her, a physical being, but there is a change in her heart. Because if you look at the numbers, there's six months of this treatment and six months of that treatment. So in other words, six is the number for man. And I believe that God was radically changing her inside because also she knew that she could end up dead. But she understood and began to understand that she is here for such a time as this. Do you believe you're here for such a time as this? You're not here by accident. Because God is going to release, I believe, glory through you. He's looking for glorious warriors. I believe that heaven's portal is open. I believe that over D22, um, over the 36 hours, heaven's portal opened. Awesome. It was awesome. And out of that will come incredible things. Because when we worship, heaven touches earth. And so there is this time, I believe, of preparation. I don't know about you, but I say, God, I just want to soak in the oils of heaven. Do you want to soak in the oils of heaven? What does that mean? Well, my favorite verse, I think, in 2 Corinthians 3.18 is this. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord. Not only transformed into the likeness of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit says, I want to, if you like, pump you with glory. I want to pump you with glory. Do you want to be pumped with glory? I do. We are transformed. We allow his holiness to soak into us so that we worship him in holiness beauty of holiness. I believe that God, we are moving into a new season and I believe that God is going to release his bride from the shadow of what she's been into the fullness of what he actually um, has created us to be, to create his bride. I believe that the bride in this nation is going to transform this nation. And when I looked at the picture um, you had on the wall about all the lights and Jean Dahl's now prophecy, I believe the whole nation's going to be flooded with light. And where's that light going to come from? You and me. Because why? Because we're the glory carriers. And I believe that God's saying, I want you to so soak into me. I want you to be such a holy people that when you walk in your office tomorrow, when you walk into the supermarket, people will turn and say, we talk about the Welsh revival. I say, God, bring it back, but bring it back double. 
And I believe that God is saying, we need to rest, soak ourselves in him. Because he says, when you consecrate yourself, see what I can do. And if you look in uh, that verse in Joshua chapter 3 verse 5 actually says that when you know that they were ready to cross over into the promised land and I believe that we're at that point I believe we're at the point of crossing over for all that God has for this nation in these last days and for the whole world we're excited we praise God for all the things that are happening in Africa and India but I say oh God I want it here you know one of the visions I have is that I can see, you know when the thousands go to these rock concerts? I declare, and I have been declaring a long time, that thousands of young people won't go to a rock concert, they'll go to see Jesus. That's what we want. And I believe God's saying if, you, if we prepare ourselves, he told Joshua before they crossed over to the promised land in Joshua 3.5, he says, consecrate yourself, yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And he did. Well, there's so much I could say about that. But I believe God is saying, are you ready? Are we ready? Esther soaked in perfumes. And you imagine that smell carrying on her skin. And ladies, if you've ever walked in a store and been sprayed with perfume, it lasts with you all day. And it's even worse if you don't like the smell. (laughs) And on one occasion, sorry, gentlemen, I don't know, maybe I was the way I had, I don't know why she thought I was a bloke, but God forgive her. She sprayed me with aftershave. Oh, I had the smell of aftershave all day um, carried around me. So you can sort of imagine if you soaked in it for six months, well, 12 months, you would have smelled very nice. Um, But I believe you see... God says in his heart, why, does it, why is Esther's story? Not, I don't think Esther's story is just there just to say um, the saving of the Jews and so forth. I believe it's there because God says this is a foreshadow of what I want to do for you. He's so soaked in the presence of God. Because what does Paul say in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14? But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of God. For we are to God. I love this. For we are to God the aroma of Christ. Wow. That's awesome. Not only are we aroma to the world, the fragrance to the world, but we actually aroma to God. He loves you that much that he wants you to be sweet smelling. Don't smell the person next to you to see if they are sweet smelling this morning. But... God wants us to be sweet smelling. Why? Because the world stinks. And Christina and the, the guys in India know about that, I'm sure, how it stinks. But you see, God wants us to smell fragrance. Wouldn't that be lovely? You walk into a supermarket and you leave a fragrance trail behind you. And people heads turn. And that would you love that? What about when you go to your office tomorrow? If you walked into your office or your college or wherever you are and everybody's head's turned and you hadn't said anything. Do you want that? I want that. I hunger for that. I want to be to God the aroma of Christ. Who said prayer is boring? It's not boring. It's the most exciting thing we can ever do. 
But I believe we need the intimacy. Because you know that as Esther was soaked in the perfumes of heaven, she had direct access. The the king's attention was caught. Not only in her beauty, but I believe that the fragrance was coming from her. He held out the gold scepter. And I believe that when we soak in the presence of Jesus, when we soak in the presence and the oils of heaven, he holds out the scepter. And when we have that intimacy, we hear that gentle whisper and he says, what is your request? What is your request? Without that intimacy, we don't hear the whisper. And not only that, it was just interesting to note that if you look at Esther, you'll see that the oil of myrrh is mentioned And it's the only one that is mentioned. Why? Not because by accident, because it means something. Myrrh in Hebrew actually means bitter. It means emotional response to destructive, heart-crushing situations. So as Esther was soaked in that, she knew what was happening or could happen to her people. Jesus was given the gift of myrrh. He also had that emotional response to our sin. And I believe that when we soak in the presence of Jesus, we also soak in, if you like, that myrrh. I believe that we come in tune with his heart for a dying world. Not only for intercession, but also that when we walk into our office, when we walk into our neighborhood, when we walk into our college, we see people in a different light. Because we have been in connection with him. But it's also interesting that word bitter can also be translated strong as strong or strength. That's why God wants us to be an intimate warrior with him. It's not a weakness. It's not a weakness. Because the two don't seem to go together sometimes. Intimate, how can you be a warrior fighting and be intimate at the same time? They do in God's eyes. They both come together. And I believe the Lord says, are you aligned with the king of kings in his favor? Are we aligned with him? Because if we are, access is incredible. Ephesians 3:20 Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us As the old saying goes we haven't seen nothing yet we haven't seen nothing yet But God is looking for us to be aligned with him to be soaked in him to know his heart Oh God, I say, please, please let me soak in you. Wow. And finally, as we soak in him, we rise up. Is prayer hard work? (laughs) Sometimes. Prayer is hard work. Sometimes we can perhaps feel that we're actually bashing our head against the brick wall. 
But I also believe that God is actually saying, it's not so much hard work. It's not like the raven who's flapping his wings, going up like this, dropping his stone and nothing's happening. I believe because as we prepare ourselves and rest in God, we can be like the seagull who's learnt the secret that if you drop it on a rock, it will split open. And I believe that the Lord is saying that we need to learn to rest in our prayers. I'm terrible. Please, you know, I haven't got that right yet. And I get cross with God because he's not answering. And he says, rest, rest, rest in me. And I even someone gave me a picture this morning to tell me that I've got to drop the oars, oars off my boat because that's I'm flashing away. God is saying, rest in me. This is why I say I'm in a time of enforced rest, which I don't like because I'm not good at it. But I believe God is saying that we need to learn to rest when we pray. And one of my favorite verses, um, you'll know so well, Psalm 91 verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in that secret place. Jesus said, go to that secret place, shut the door. That can be anywhere. But just go to that secret place, shut the door, don't let the world distract you. It's hard, isn't it, when you pray? Do you find it, your head suddenly goes, and you can think of 50 million things to do. And it's like, God, I came to pray. I can't think straight. You know, and the Lord says, rest. Learn to write it down if you need to. But learn to still your heart and mind. And you can do that in a very number of ways. But you see, he who dwells actually means to inhabit, to remain, to sit down. That's not easy in a busy world we live in, is it? He who dwells is not a five-minute rush. It's a sit-down. It's to be with him. But actually, the psalmist goes a bit further. One step further, he says, not only to dwell, he says to rest in the shadow. It means to stay permanently. Even in the everyday run of the mill, when you're doing your work with your neighbors or whatever, God says, I want you to rest in my presence. That is a learned art. We have to learn to do that. Rest in our hearts because the world is very noisy and distracts us. But God says, I want you to rest permanently in the shadow of the Almighty. In Hebrew, it's a beautiful word picture. It means to catch, desire a shepherd's staff. So in other words, it's saying resting in God's authority controls and protects us like a shepherd's rod. That is awesome. Every time you sit down with the Lord, that's what happens. When we sit in the shadow, we come under his authority. He protects us, but he shepherds us like a shepherd. He takes great care of us. He reveals his heart. And one of my favorite translations is um, the message of Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. That's what I like. Watch how I do it. 
Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Isn't that beautiful? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Wow. Don't we have a wonderful Lord? Yeah? You sure? Yes, still with me? I know you've had 36 hours of prayer, but he's still there. Is he wonderful? Good. We need to get excited about him. He's amazing. Absolutely amazing. He's wonderful. And if you look in Psalm 91 verse 4, which you'll know, it says he will cover you with his feathers and under his things you will find refuge. Now the word feathers really means like cover in a fence. He will protect you. He will surround you with his wings. Often we think of Jesus' words, don't we, when he's talked about the hen gathering her chicks. But to the psalmist, and some of you probably will know this, but to the psalmist it actually meant meant something else. It actually meant to the care afforded under the wings of the cherubim over the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. You know the Ark of the Covenant? The cherubim wings were over the mercy seat. And what was the mercy seat? The mercy seat was where the Shekinah glory of God would appear. So actually God is saying, when you rest with me, you rest right in the center of my glory where I love to dwell. And I say, God, now I can't wait to get into my prayer time with him because I know that I'm going to be seated right in the glory of God. That is the wonder of who he is. And when we're there, we are transformed into ever-increasing glory. But even more than that, and this is what the final thought I finish with, is in Isaiah 40, verse 31, We know the words ever so well. It says, um, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles and they run, not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. But they will soar on wings like eagles. I've only just discovered this. Some of you might already know this, but I've just discovered this, that the actual Hebrew phrase of that means... That we will soar like a living prince or warrior. So when we soar with God, we soar as a living prince of the king of kings. And we soar as a worshipper, well, as a warrior. And as I've been uh, realizing and understanding this, God gave me a very clear picture um, of, an, of eagle's wings. And I was sitting on the wing. Sometimes we see the picture of that we are the eagle, but this time I was sitting on the eagle. And as I looked at the eagle, it was covered in gold. And I believe that God is saying he's rising us up, his people, as gold-plated or gold-filled, glory-filled warriors. We are princes, princesses, but we're princes of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God says when we soak in him, we will rise up. We will carry his glory. And as I looked more intently, I saw people covered in the armor of God, but completely gold, pure gold armor. Turn to the neighbor and say, your next door, say you've got pure gold armor on you because we need to understand that, that God's glory is coming down. We have pure glory 
on us. We're going to be intimate worshippers, intimate fire worshipper warriors. And I believe that God, and uh, I think Phil or somebody quoted over the prayer weekend, Isaiah 60. Arise. Arise. And I actually prayed, actually, I think, of calling the church to arise. We need to declare to the church in this nation, rise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. I believe we're in that season. I do believe we're in that season. And it was great to share with you over these last couple of days. Because I do believe we're in that season. The glory of God's going to come. But who's the glory carriers? We are. are. Wow, that's a bit awesome, isn't it? It I think so. Because God has so easy have chosen his angels. And what has he done? He's chosen you and me. Whoa. Just turn to your neighbor and say you're a glory carrier. Go on, you're a glory carrier. Let's believe it. And I believe we're going to soar with him and we'll bring the glory of God into this nation. Oh God, we so long for this nation to know Jesus. And I believe, as someone prophesied, I think that the royal standard is already raised. And um, this is just a side thing, but I do believe that the Queen is, is uh, very important and we need to pray that she keeps on the throne and keeps alive. Because I believe she has some spiritual authority over this nation yeah. uh, for what she represents. And so we, we do, I, whether you're a royalist or not, that, that's nothing in it. I believe that, you know, that's not important. It's about the fact that she has a spiritual authority over this nation. And we really need to pray that, you know, I said to God, wouldn't it be lovely if she saw the nation come to know Jesus and then he took her home and said, well done. You know, I believe that that could be possible because she has a spiritual authority over this nation. We need to pray for this nation. I also believe we need to pray um, that the right government gets in this nation. We need to really pray. Whatever your Put your politics aside and just ask God to put the right person in who will be open to what the church will, ha- will rise up in this nation. And uh, I believe we need to pray for that. It doesn't matter about politics. Um, put that aside. It's God's chosen person. We may not like them, but that's tough. It's got who God wants, because I believe that we're moving into this season, that this nation will see something it has never seen. I believe that we also prayed for it over the uh, 36 hours about the Muslims coming to Christ. There is a verse in Scripture that clearly states... That Kedah, which is the tribe um, from one of Abraham's wives, which, uh, which were whoever. Um, I can't remember right now. But I believe that they are. You know, Ishmael was blessed. And I believe God's going to release the Muslim in, in a wonderful way. And what he's really doing, even in this terrible time at the moment, he's making people question their faith. And we've got to really pray for more and more revelation for them that they will see but the most exciting a neither exciting thing is though you are a glory carrier whoa awesome and i believe that as we pray as a church individually we're on this awesome adventure awesome adventure because we're called to be intimate glory and fire worship warriors and that god's heart is that we change the world we change this nation are you ready people are you ready god says draw near realign 
Watch. Look for his calling cards. Cards. Prepare. Soak in his presence. And rest. And you'll rise up. And soar as a living prince. And as a warrior. Whoa. Thank you, Lord. And it was interesting. Um, sorry, Phil, to mention you again. But last night you said something about going up to level, level. And my last phrase was the same. Which is, I, um, I think Bobby Connor gave it. But it's this. Days are of mounting up and soaring higher and higher in the ways of God is now. Now is the time to renew our strength and be empowered. Now is the time to rise up as glory people, intimate warrior worshippers. Because as we do, we will open heaven's portal and the glory and fire will come down. There's so much more I could say. I've seen a picture of glory and fire just dropping straight down on earth. And that's when you and I are activated... We will see it. Many of us will see it. Are we ready? That's wonderful. Thank you, Jackie.